Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Coming up this week, we've got Breakaway on Friday, amen, Friday night at 7, Trunk or Treat on Saturday at, at 4 in Eureka Park, amen. Two big outreaches. I'll probably say something at the end as well, but... I was looking at the list today. We need more people to sign up for those. We need more cars. Amen. And I saw a couple. I'm not going to put you on blast, but I'll, I'll do it personally. That I didn't see on there that always do good. So I'm hoping that you go sign up tonight. And if you've never done it before, go do it. Amen. Which all you got to do is bring your car, open your trunk, and decorate it. It's not hard. But try to be creative. Amen. Get your Bibles open. We're going to finish up tonight in the last of the Lord changes my my spirit next week and he adds a fifth week and he might but this is the what I had planned was a four-week series on the spirit of deception and um, we're going to continue to navigate what we're seeing in this world and and uh, I'm not going to get into Sunday's message or get into any necessarily current events tonight but I do want to just reiterate to all of you that that what's what's what the days we're living in is going to cause us to have to understand that there's a spirit of deception moving across the earth, and he wants uh, the devil wants to confuse Christians on who we are and where we stand and who we stand with and what we believe. And so we got to make sure we know tonight. How many know we got to know what we believe? Amen. And God is real, and He loves you, and He's. He's got a plan for us. He always has. His plans have never changed. His purpose is the same. And we just need to line up with his plan. Amen. We need to line up with his will. So I want to talk tonight on this last night, again, spirit of deception, number four, uh, about the spirit of deception that comes through religion and, and good works. Okay? Religion and good works. How many know that good works is a good thing? Right? Good works is, or I should say I, in my notes, I didn't have good, just works. Okay? Because good works is different. And I'll, we'll get into that possibly if I have time. But just if you're taking notes, the deception of religion and works. And I want to give you a quote to start off. A whole new generation of Christians has come up recently believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. Amen? How many know when we accept Christ, we have to forsake the world? We no longer live in this world. We're no longer of this world. We, we have to pass through it, but we're not, we're, not, we're not living the way we used to live. And so there's got to be a change and a transformation in us. And that starts when we begin to believe on Jesus. Let me give you the two key verses real quick for anybody that's not been here. The, the two verses I've been reading every week is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 which is the reason I'm preaching this series. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, that's the last days, and church, we're in the last hours and minutes in this world today. Some will depart from the faith. Look at the person next to you and say, don't let that be you. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. Tell that person next to you, don't let that be me. Amen? That's why we're here, to help each other out. Because it says some will, and he doesn't say that because he wants it to happen. He says it because he knows it'll happen. But I'm not going to be the one he's right about. It's going to be somebody else. It's not going to be us in this church. 
giving heed. Why, why does that happen? Because people give heed to deceiving spirits. If we don't give in to deception and we're not deceived, we won't fall. The only reason we're going to give, people are going to fall is because they're going to give in to deceptive spirits. So we can't do that tonight. And it actually says not just deceiving spirits, but doctrines, that's religion, and beliefs, that's, that's religion, and works of demons. And then the other one is Matthew 24, 3 through 5. You've had this written down every time we've come in during this series. They asked Jesus in the last, what will happen in the last days, what will be some of the signs of you coming back to the earth? How will we know when the rapture is going to happen? And he says in the next verse, the first thing he says over every other thing of earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars, things that we're seeing on the earth right now, he said the very first thing you got to be careful of is do not be deceived. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Lord, anoint your word tonight. Bless these people that are here. Bless those that could not be here tonight that are watching online. Lord, challenge, convict, and touch those that are listening and watching online that can be here, Father. Lord, help us to get into your house uh, more than we've ever been in your house before because you said not to forsake the assembling together as, as, as is the manner of some, especially as the day approaches. Lord, speak to those tonight that are not here that could be, that need to put priorities in their lives and get to church. Help us prioritize our lives. Help us to know what's important and what matters, God. And speak to us through your word and transform us and bring forth fruit from this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Second Corinthians chapter 11 is where I want to start. In, in talking about, so let me, let me, before we read this, let me make it clear. I'm going to make it super simple what I'm talking about tonight. We can be guilty of this ourselves because the whole basis of this series, if you remember, is it is not talking about the state of the world. We haven't been talking about unbelievers. You don't deceive somebody who's already deceived. So he is not talking about uh, fooling the, the unbelievers, they're already lost. He's talking about people who are believers, who at some point know the truth, and then be, 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 by the spirit of deception are deceived, there's no other way to say it, tricked by his craftiness and his cunningness, and stop believing and turn away from God. That's what this whole series is about. So this is not talking to those people that we're praying for to get saved. This is talking to us, warning us. And the idea is that as Christians and believers, many times, and I was talking to Destiny about this today, we don't truly uh, understand, and I'm going to make it very simple for you tonight, what saves us. And we are taught in many churches and are growing up, and thank God for growing up in church, thank God for some kind of background, but we're taught uh, to do all the things we know we're supposed to do. Go to church, pray, read the Bible, give. All the things we know, all those good works, we, we, we learn them, but the problem is, is we become, we get to a place where we start doing that without really having a relationship with Jesus. And some people, honestly, believe it or not, can go to church, and again, let this not be us, be in church, be carrying a Bible, be giving, be praying, be reading, be doing all these things, and not know Jesus. You know of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. 
How many are following me so far? That's what this is talking about. You're not saved here tonight because you're at church. Now, again, it, the balance is, to make it simple, we're supposed to come to church. I just prayed that. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to read the Bible. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to go to outreach. We're supposed to do all these things. But that's the cart before the horse. Being saved is very simple. The act of being saved is very simple. And that, I'm, I'm afraid, is where a lot of people miss the boat. Because they don't understand that salvation is the most simple thing that you'll ever do in your life. After you get saved, that's when the work starts. But I believe some people have never even been saved because they've got the religious cart before the horse. Does anybody agree with that? So we have to be careful and understand that this is something that all, goes all the way back. Let's look here. We'll see it, actually, so I don't have to say it twice. Verse 2, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Give me an amen if you're there. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, and he says, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What is a virgin? Someone who has not been with somebody else. Next. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what? I'm going to read this verse again because this is important. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Remember he came along and said, did God really say that? He didn't argue that, that he, the word. He said, did he really say that? He questioned God's word. And it was crafty. It was cunning. Remember, no one walks up, shakes your hand, says, hey, I'm deceitful. What's your name? Right? No one does that. Deceit is something that happens where you don't recognize it if you're not careful, if you don't know the truth. And so he says that your minds may be corrupted. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, get these next five words. That the, the, sorry, the simplicity that is in Christ. Is that it? Okay, one more. Four. And this is very similar to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, or sorry, Galatians 1, 8 and 9. If he who comes preaches another Jesus. How, what do you mean another Jesus? Yes, there's a lot of Jesuses being preached tonight. False Jesus, false Christ. That's what he said. If someone else comes in my name preaching another gospel, whom we may not have preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, what does he say? You might put up with it. You all with me? This is very important. This is the key to everything else we're going to read. And by the way, we're going to read a lot of Scripture tonight because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Can I read this one more time? Jesus says, if, if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you might put up with it. And so, first and foremost, this goes back to the fact that we need to be reading our Bibles. Okay, the gospel is simple, but you can be fooled on the simplicity of Christ if you don't read your Bible. Every answer has to come from his word. Now, let me begin to show you what I mean tonight. And I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert of what I'm going to finish with so you can have the idea of what I'm talking about. How many, I'll, this will be the last verse I'll read, or second to last. 
How many have heard the verse in here, and most people have, and if you don't know the Bible, it says that people will come to Jesus in the last day and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? How many have heard that verse? Right? It's one of probably the scariest verses in the Bible, if you don't understand it. Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we, didn't we lay our hands on the sick? And so we're going to get to that, and that's what is happening, unfortunately, in a lot of churches, a lot of people have, as Philippians says, a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Lots of people around the world have put on, and listen, this is not just in Christianity. This is around in all the religions. Most religions don't even read their own book. Well, I've been talking about that. Most people don't even know what they believe. We can't be those people. Only way we're not going to be deceived is if we know what the Word of God says. So you're going to get a bunch of it tonight. Luke chapter 13. If you're not able to, you better at least write these down because you need to read them more than once. Okay, but I'm going to read them straight from the, from the screen. I've got them here in my notes as well. 22 to 30. We're going to start to see. Everybody know where I'm at? Simplicity of the gospel. Jesus is going to begin to say, how people get deceived and what true, what true salvation is. So he's going through the cities and the villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he says to them, strive to enter the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second because this is what happens. I, I'm guilty of this myself. I want you to know that what I'm telling you tonight, I had to work through myself. In our flesh, in our lack of understanding God's word and the simplicity of the gospel, as soon as we see strive, we think of what, can, what we have to do. Right? Just stay with me here. Strive. And then to enter through the narrow gate. So we got, I mean, okay, there's going to be a narrow gate. I got to strive. I got to get through this narrow gate. We, we automatically start thinking about what we have to do and how we can do it. Am I talking to anybody here tonight that feels that same way? Just automatically. Okay. We already, right there by that statement, begin to think works. Automatically. Just the way we've been trained. It's the way our minds think. And he says, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter, but won't be able. So then we think, well, it's, that's, it's hard then. Does anybody see what I'm saying? It's hard then. If, if, if many won't be able to, it must be hard. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, now this is similar but different, Lord, Lord, open for us. Just like the people did in day, the days of Noah, when the water started to rise. See, they didn't want to have anything to do with Noah until the water started filling up. Once the door was shut, no one else could get in. When the rapture happens, the church is gone, and you're not going to be able to be saved unless you go through tribulation. And so this is, this is he's saying, once the door's shut, people are going to come and say, open up for us. And listen, he'll answer and say, I don't know you. Where are you from? Now watch the answer. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. Leave that there for a second, please. That's, that's association. Are y'all seeing that? It doesn't say we believed in you. 
It says we ate around you, we associated with you, we heard your messages, we knew who you were, we knew about you. This is what we're going to say, he says. Okay, keep next. And, and he will say, and of course he's talking about himself, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Keep reading. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, watch this, there are, that, there are last who will be first and the first who will be last. So what do we see in this first part of the scriptures that Jesus is saying? They come to him and say, how, how can we be saved he says, well, what, what's your answer? And they say, we, we associated with you. We saw you in the streets. And so they, there's no belief there. There's no uh, faith there. It's just association. People are going to try to stand before God and say, I knew about you. I knew your name. Right? And they might even throw off some things that they did that were good. And notice he says, you workers... Of iniquity. Okay? I'm, it's going to get simpler here. Don't, don't get scared tonight. This isn't a hard, mean message. It just seems like it if you're thinking religiously. Because this is the spirit of deceit of religion. Now let's go to John 10. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, Somebody shout out the name of who the door is. Jesus is the door. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's not two or three or four doors. There's nor five or six windows. The only way to get to my Father is through me. I'm the door. Amen? That's what Jesus said. And he said, he who doesn't enter by the door but does this, climbs up some other way. Remember how I always tell you, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Remember how I always tell you we're climbing up that ladder of good works to get to heaven? People are trying to climb into heaven through another door. And you can do it if you want to, but the one who's been through the door and back says he's the only way. That's never changed. Whether you like it or not, that's the facts. So he says, if you try to come any other way, you're a thief and a robber. Don't change it yet. When you go to someone's house, you go through a door if you've been invited in. If you don't go through the door, you're a thief. If you haven't been invited in, you're a thief. The only way to get into a house the right way without having the police called, is if someone says, hey, come over to my house, and they open the door, and they say, come on in. Then you enter into the house through the door of the owner of the house, and he, you hang out, drink coffee, eat food, fellowship, whatever you want to do. But if you show up and come through another door or a window or anything else, you're a thief and a robber. Jesus is saying here, 
If you want to get to heaven, you got to go through the door. If you want to go through the door, you got to believe in me. You have to do things the way I say, or you can't come in. Y'all following me so far? Let's keep reading. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep, how many sheep do I have in here tonight? Hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he, by the way, before I go on, how many know you can't know his name if you don't know him? He can't know your name if he doesn't know you. It's not association. So have you ever met someone, they, and they, they're talking about someone like, I never met that person. I don't know who that is. I've heard of them, but I don't know who they are. I don't know them. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. His voice tonight is the word of God. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. See, if we're in the Word, as I said, I think the first week when I pulled out the $200 bills, when you know the real thing, you'll recognize the counterfeit. How many remember that illustration? If when we know the real thing, we'll recognize the counterfeit. No matter how religious and good and just and right it sounds. They'll flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but of course, they did not understand the things which he was speaking to them. So Jesus said, most assuredly, I say, he says, okay, you're not getting this. I'm the door of the sheep. It's me. I'm trying to talk in third person. You're not grabbing it. It's me. And I was telling Carla this this morning. It's so funny because they would always say, hey, prove to us that you're Jesus. Show us for real that you're him. Are you the Messiah? And then he would say, I, yes, I am. And then they would want to stone him. Interesting. So he says, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came, I love this, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Meaning any religious thing ever spoken of a way to get into heaven is a thief and a robber, but the sheep did not hear them. I'm the door, he says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, many of you know this verse, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life. Now this is going to get so good right here. This is where you're going to see right here. In these next few verses, you're going to know in your spirit if you're saved or not. Because as you read this, there's going to be this affection and love that comes on you. As he says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. This, this is talking about, in, in, in one way, in one, there's many ways God speaks, but this is where uh, a pastor needs to be called to preach the gospel. 
Any pastor today, and it happens all the time, I can tell you, that got into the things of God to preach the gospel for money, not because of a calling, is a hireling. I can tell you tonight, I'm not a hireling. I do get paid by this church and have a salary to be the pastor of this church, but I preach the gospel from a call of God, not because I wanted something out of it. So I'm not a hireling, and I'm not going anywhere. And any pastor that started their church because of a call isn't going to leave their sheep. But there's a lot of hirelings out there today who are writing books. I'm not saying all of them, but many are writing books and getting rich off of the church. And they would flee as fast as anybody else if something really went down. Because they didn't, they didn't do it for the right reason. And God will test all that, and all that will be tried by fire. Amen? Because he doesn't truly care about the sheep. Keep going, please. Why is he saying this so many times? I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. So, so when he said in the other parable, I never knew you, he didn't know him. He wasn't just saying it because, and here's an important thing that's important. He didn't say, I knew you at some point, but I don't know you now. He said, I never knew you. Never. He knows who he knows and who he doesn't. And he says, I know my sheep and am known by my own. So he knows us and we know him. Not by association, but by relationship. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And here we go. I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also, by the way, that's us. We weren't in the fold he was talking about because he came first for the Jew, then the Gentile. How many glad he didn't leave us out tonight? And, and I must also bring, and they will hear my voice. How many have heard his voice tonight? And they will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen? Remember, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the, the power of salvation unto the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Last verse. Therefore, my father loves me because they're going to kill me and take my life from me. Is that what it says? That's, this is where the affection should come in, right here. No one killed Jesus. He could have called on a legion of angels to come get him off that cross. But he gave his life. Why do I love Jesus tonight? Because he first loved me. Why do I love Jesus tonight? Because he laid his life down for me and he showed me that he loved me. He didn't just tell me that he loved me. He showed me that he loved me. Amen? And so he lays down his life and then it says that I might take it up again. Now, here we go. Lord, Lord. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 7. Lord, Lord. Everybody still with me? We're, we're talking about what religion is that we would want to go to heaven out of association, that we would want to uh, stand before God someday and, and, and get up there, and we'll hit this again in a second, and when he says, hey, why should I let you in? Stay with me on this. this is, I'm going to clear it up a little bit, make it a little more clear, because I feel like some of you aren't, aren't following me. Why should I let you in? I'm going to say this twice. Say it again later. I want to hit it twice. Why should I let you in? And so some people are going to say to the answer of why should I let you in? Because I cast out demons in your name. 
Because I, I laid my hands on the sick and they recovered. Because I prophesied in your name. Because I, I gave to the church. Because I prayed continuously. Because I, and they're going to start naming off all the things that they did for the Lord. And God's going to say, no, uh, that's, not, that's not the answer. The answer should be, I'm not worthy even to be standing in front of you right now. Thank you for the opportunity. The only reason that I'm here right now is because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. And I heard the gospel message that that's what he did for me. And I simply believed that Jesus is and was and is to come. And he took my place on the cross. I'm not worthy to go into heaven. But if you would let me in, it would simply be because I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Did you see the difference? That's what this verse means. Matthew chapter 7, look at it. Verse 21 not everyone who says to me, now this is important. He's not saying no one is going to get in that's cast out demons and prophesied. He's not saying that. He said not everyone. You see the difference? Who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of now, I'm going to make this simple for you tonight. Who does, leave it there, please, the will of my Father in heaven. What I just said just now is the will of the Father. That you, if you read the Gospels enough, you're going to see over and over and over again that when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he was attacking their religion and their works, because that's what they wanted to do. And when he talked to somebody who was not religious, he simply said, believe in me. Do y'all see the difference? They wanted to be religious, and he would say things like, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of your cup is dirty. You are a whitewashed grave. You're dead on the inside, but you look alive on the outside. You dress a certain way, and you pray out in the public so people can see you, and you pull your money out when people are looking to put it in the offering, but I'm not looking for that. He says, but if you want to live by that, I'll judge you by that. And he attacked religion the entire time he was on the earth. But when he found someone who was not trying to be religious, his tune was different. If you'll just believe in me, you'll be saved. Simply believing. Are you all following me tonight? Are you, are you where we need to be? What saves us is simply believing. That's the simplicity of the cross. Can I say that again over here? What saves us is simply believing in Jesus. Say period. Say exclamation point. Nothing else. Saves us. The good works, the things that the Pharisees were trying to do to please Jesus are things we do after we get saved. But he's telling us here, not everyone who says with their mouth, Lord, Lord, will enter, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would 
Do good works. What? Believe would be and have everlasting. That's the gospel. But we try to add to it. Because, because just the reason he was rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees is because they were trying to add this religious stuff to them, but they were wicked in their hearts. They were wicked. Why do you heal on the Sabbath? Can you imagine questioning Jesus of why he healed a blind man on Sunday? Or for them Saturday, it doesn't matter what day it is. But you healed the blind man. You worked on the Sabbath. I mean, ridiculous stuff. That's what religion does. Religion is deceitful. Religion today is what's destroying this world. Religion is behind everything that I've been talking about that's happening over in the Middle East. Everything is, has a wall of religion in front of it. It's in the name of religion. Right? So next verse he says, was that it? Okay, just, just a freeze. Kaylee, you're awesome. Everybody say, Kaylee, you're awesome. Don't worry, we're not staring at you. It's like when I take a drink when I'm preaching. Here's what it says while she's finding it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now let me say this again. I'm going to make this simple. It's a simple message, so I'm not going to make it hard. Second time I'm going to say it. You can take Okay, well, I'll read it since you put It's okay. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done wonders in your name? So don't focus so much on what they're saying about the prophesying, the demon. Don't focus on that. Focus on how they're saying it. You get it? They're going to want to get into heaven by what they've done. And Jesus says, that's not how it works for me. Because, you can take it down, Ephesians says later, to, to remember all the word works together, we are not saved by works, we're saved by grace. Grace is getting something you don't deserve, right? Remember that? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Can I just hit that for someone who maybe has never been here or heard the gospel? Grace is, not, is getting what you don't deserve, which is salvation, Name some people off tonight, if you could, and you don't really have to say it out loud, but just in your mind. Name some people off who deserve to be in heaven. I'll wait. I'll just wait for a while until Jesus comes back and until the millennial reign. And Nobody. 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 I'm not talking about Jesus. He's God. Name me a person. Not Job. He was a great man. But he, he wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't works. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the good people in the Bible. Isaiah says, my righteousness is like filthy rags. No one deserves to be in heaven. Nobody. So we get heaven by grace. Simply because he decided 
and here's this is important, because salvation is a gift. Right? And when somebody gives you a gift, and they hand it to you, and you say, this is important, because this is what this verse is saying. You say, let me pay for that. It's not a gift anymore. You see the deceitfulness, if you're not careful? God is trying to give us a gift that's free, and we don't understand that because we, we think there's strings attached to everything. Because remember, when we go back to works, he does expect works from us. Faith without works is dead. But he does not expect it to be right with him, to be saved. Are you all with me on that? You all following me on that? Being saved is a gift. For it is the gift of God. So once you, this is what the, the people, Lord, Lord, you gave me a free gift, but I, didn't, but I cast out demons in your name. And I prophesied. And I this and I that. And when you start to boast, he says, that's wrong. Wrong answer. That's, I don't know you. Because that's not who I am. So then he goes on to say, here you go. Right answer. Sorry, Matthew 7, 22, remember what it said there? Is the wrong answer. And then, Matthew, then, and then here's the right answer. I said it before. You can take that down. Lord, I'm an unworthy sinner who puts my complete trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. And your word promises me that I, believing in you, will have eternal life. Come in. You get it? We're all going to stand at that place. And we must understand that religion adds. And Jesus says, the way that you truly are saved is simply believing and receiving my grace and my mercy, which is not getting what you do deserve. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages or the payment of my sin is death. But the gift of God in this same verse is eternal life. So nobody's going to be able to be in heaven, nobody, and say, I am here because I was good. No one. Jesus said, no one's good but God. Right? So here's the verse, Luke 18, watch this, 13 to 14. Here's the right answer. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Isn't it funny how we know that we, we know in our minds that humility is the most important thing we can do, but yet somehow in God's presence we would have the boldness to be to be not humble. Right? Y'all following me on that? Like if there's anybody we should be humble with, it is with God. And I'm just telling you that. After 30 years 
of serving God, this has become more real to me, so real to me in the last few years especially, where every morning when I pray to God, I renew my vows with him. Jesus, you are the son of the living God. I am a sinner. I am not worthy to be in your presence or even talk to you. But thank you that you love me so much that you would go to the cross and take my place. And I believe that the reason I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with you is because you died for me on the cross. And you paid my price. And you took my place. And I humbly come before you as your child and your son. And I say thank you for allowing me to be a part of your kingdom. Now, Lord, help me go through this day and honor you and glorify you and tell other people about what you did for me and use me, Lord. And let no flesh of mine glory in your presence. Let everything I do bring glory to your name. That's just kind of sort of how I pray. Did you get it? Just staying humble, staying thankful, not letting pride come in and just realizing that at, when, when it's all peeled away, don't get caught up in all the stuff Jesus said to all those religious people. Well, I got to do this and I got to do that. I got striving to enter into the narrow gate. The strive is in staying simple. Do you get that? Not doing what everybody else does, which is adding to how I can get into heaven. But, but, but. There's no buts. Jesus plus nothing. I am going to heaven. You're going to heaven. We're going to rejoice in heaven. We're going to spend eternity in heaven because of everything Jesus did and nothing that I did except believe. Because we are saved by faith. Last verse. 1 Corinthians 2. I'm done. Verse 1. Brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know. Here, if you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's why we're going to heaven. Do you follow me, church? Can y'all let me know that you're following me? That this is, this is what it's about? I've determined, like Paul, not to know anything else except. This doesn't mean we don't study. This doesn't mean we can't get revelation and talk. We should do all that. But at the end of the day, the simplicity is Jesus Christ, Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching weren't with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that your faith, faith, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Lord, thank you for your word. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, I just... Res- I just I just want to summarize quickly. It's not about anything we can do. There's a great deception today in the world that's wanting us to add or take away from the simplicity of Jesus' message. You're a sinner. 
I'm the Savior. Believe in me. Church, listen to that again. You're a sinner. I'm the Savior, Jesus says. Believe in me. If you don't get that right, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter. You won't believe this, but Paul actually said everything else is dung. He said that. Try to add anything else. It's worthless. You're a sinner. You deserve hell. I'm the Savior. I made a way for you to go to heaven. Simply believe in what I did for you, and you shall live. That's the gospel. How many in this place tonight have never believed that without adding anything else onto it? Simply believing that the only way I'm going to go to heaven and the only reason I'm going to go to heaven is because Jesus took my place. How many could say, I've never done that? It's not about just making a decision. It's about believing. And you need to ask yourself, listen closely, do you really believe? Because listen, God knows my heart tonight, and I believe with every fiber in my being that Jesus Christ is God. And I believe that he lived on this earth, he died on the cross, he went into the tomb for three days, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again, and I believe that, and God knows I believe that, and that's why I'm going to go to heaven. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that tonight, you will hear the words, depart from me, doer of iniquity, because we're sinners, I never knew you. But tonight you can know him. The Bible says in Revelation 3, he's knocking on the door of your heart right now. And he's asking you to let him come in. What you have to do is open the door and say, Jesus, I believe you are the door. You are the way, the truth, and the life. How many, before we move to a different part of the service, could say, Pastor, pray for me right now. I've never done that. Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down all over this place. Maybe you're watching online. We're going to give you a chance in a second. Maybe you're here tonight and you do believe with all your heart, but you have started in your life to, to fade away and start to, to, to do things that aren't pleasing to God and you're not glorifying God with your life and you want to, you want to get back to that place where it's not talking about salvation. Now we're talking about how you're living for the Lord, how you're representing the Lord. How you're, how you're showing the world the light in your life. Jesus says you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. If you've lost your saltiness, your salt doesn't matter. Tonight, maybe, the Lord's speaking to you and you need to fall in love with Jesus again. That's why we come to church. That's why we have time at the altar to reflect, to look inside of ourselves, to make sure we're right with God. Because church, is, as I close right now and I pray, at the end of the days... We will all stand, the Bible says, before God. And the Bible says what a scary thing it is to fall into the hands of a living God.
But like Santos said at prayer, because of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. Because I plead the blood of Jesus. Let's stand all over this place tonight. How many feel the presence of the Lord here tonight? He's here. He's calling us. He's drawing us. He's wanting us to know it's all about me. If anybody can boast, it's Jesus. Although he did not boast while he was on this earth, he can boast now because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. My challenge you to, to you tonight, church, is keep falling in love with Jesus. Keep remembering how good he is, how faithful he is, how loving he is. Remember that suffering that he did for you so that you don't have to go to heaven, so you don't get what you deserve, which we all deserve the same thing. Right before we open the altars, we're going to pray for anybody that might be listening on the podcast, watching online. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I cannot get into heaven by my good works, no matter how hard I try. But I know tonight that I make mistakes and falling short of your glory, I need a Savior. I know the wages of my sin is death. But you have a gift for me that is eternal life. Tonight I put my faith and my belief in you. That you took my place on the cross. Shed your blood to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And then you rose from the dead. I confess that with my mouth. I believe that in my heart. And I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you every day to the best of my ability to glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Let's praise the Lord tonight for anybody that said that prayer tonight online. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we open up these altars, how many tonight are thankful that it's not about us? Because we're going to fall short. It's about Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's open up these altars. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.